Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. And I hope you'll give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Dr. Amir Hassan. Hassan. Uh, he's a medical doctor in Washington, D.C. We'll be talking about the inflation enemy at the gate. Michael Cannon is Director of Health Policy Studies at the uh, Cato Institute. And Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of many books. His latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. It is December the 30th, and on this day in 1922, a post-revolutionary Russia, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, USSR, was established, comprising a confederation of Russia, Belarus, Ukraine, and Transcaucasian Federation, divided up in 1936 to four other states, Georgian, Azerbaijan, and the Armenian Republics. Also known as the Soviet Union, the new communist state was the successor to the Russian Empire and the first country in the world to be based on Marxist socialism. During the Russian Revolution of 1917 and subsequent three-year Russian Civil War, the Bolshevik Party under Vladimir Lenin dominated the Soviet forces, a coalition of workers and soldiers committees that called on the establishment of a socialist state in the former Russian Empire. In the USSR, all levels of government were controlled by the Communist Party and the party's Politburo, with its increasingly powerful general secretary and effectively ruling the country. Soviet industry was allowed, owned and managed by the state, and agricultural land was divided into state-run collective farms. In the de- decades that it followed, and it established the Russian-dominated Soviet Union. It grew into one of the world's most powerful and influential states and eventually encompassed 15 republics. In 1991, the Soviet Union was dissolved following the collapse of its communist government. So powerful at the town and creating so much fear around the globe. And finally just collapsed of its own weight. Uh, do you remember uh, Khrushchev's production, prediction? Nikita Khrushchev was uh, premiered uh, at one time in the 50s. This is an entire quote. He said, a sobering reminder. It's almost 64 years since Russia's Khrushchev delivered this. Many of you may not remember his quote or even were alive when Mr. Khrushchev of the Soviet Union made these remarks uh, to President John F. Kennedy. Uh, here's the entire quote. Your children's children will live under communism. You will, Americans are gullible. You won't accept communism outright. But we'll be feeding you small doses of socialism until you finally wake up and find yourself already in uh, have communism. We will not have to fight you. We will not have to weaken your economy. You will weaken your economy until you will fall uh, like overripe fruit into our hands. The democracy will cease to exist when you take away the, from those who are willing to work and give to those who will not. Uh, remember, socialism leads to communism. So how do you create a socialist state? Well, there's uh, about eight levels of control. Healthcare, control healthcare, and you control the people. Does that sound familiar? How about poverty? Increase the poverty level and as uh, high as possible. Poor people are easier to control and will not fight back if you're providing everything for them. Debt, increase the debt 
to an unsustainable level. That way you are able to increase taxes and they'll produce more poverty. Sound familiar? Gun control removed the ability to defend themselves from the government the way you are able to create a police state. Uh, welfare, take control of every aspect, food, housing, income of their lives, because this will make them fully dependent on the government. Education, take control of what people read and listen to and take control of what people learn in, uh, children learn in school. Remove the belief of God in God from the government and schools because people need to believe in only the government knowing what is best for the people. And then class warfare. Divide the people into the wealthy and the poor. Eliminate the middle class, and this will cause more discontent. Be easier to tax the wealthy with the support of the poor. A perfect parallel to the Democrat agenda. Wouldn't you agree? Does not all this sound familiar? And it's the enemy uh, with within. We're seeing all this happen without any kind of pressure from the outside. We're doing it to ourselves. Khrushchev ended his comments by saying, we will bury you. Well, <clears throat> no, they dissolved. They went away. They broke up the USSR. But you know what? We're doing it to ourselves. Just a word to the wise. We need to pay attention to what's happening. Well, Pele, arguably one of the greatest to ever play the game of soccer, has passed away at the age of 82. The reason for his death is currently unknown, though it was revealed in December 22 that he was at a San Paolo hospital in uh, palliative care. This came after reports of him no longer responding to chemotherapy treatment, which he was undergoing for colon cancer, diagnosed in September of 2021. After Pele congratulated Argentina on winning the 2022 FIFA World Cup, his daughter revealed just days later that his father was in, her father was in uh, still in the hospital through Christmas and was undergoing elevated care related to his kidney and cardiac functions. Just absolutely incredible what Pele was able to accomplish in his career, including three FIFA World Cups and six Brazilian championships. Honestly, the man was more than a legend. He was royalty in soccer. God rest his soul and may he rest in peace. Pele, dead at the age of 82. I found former First Lady Michelle Obama revealed she couldn't stand her husband Barack for 10 years. She was also talking about the pressure of having kids at home, and they were little monsters, apparently, as she wrote in her book. For the first time, I have empathy for her because there are times when I couldn't stand him either. She's promoting her book. She's written a new book now, so The Light Within or something like that. Michelle Obama couldn't stand Barack for 10 years. Well, join the company. <laughs> we, we understand your sentiment. We have empathy for you. Several years worth of former President Donald Trump's tax returns are on track to be released to the public today. The tax materials for Trump and his businesses, which are expected to cover the years 2015 to 2020, will be placed in the congressional record as part of the pro forma session. For what purpose? What, in, in what, what does this accomplish except for just another a feeble attempt to try to hurt President Donald Trump? It makes no sense whatsoever. Again, Trump derangement syndrome at work. And by the way, the House January 6th committee has dropped its subpoena against former President Trump as he wraps up uh, as it wraps up work and prepares to dissolve this week. With the panel never gained Trump's testimony, the committee interviewed more than a thousand witnesses, including many of Trump's close White House aides and allies. In its final report issued last week, the committee concluded that Trump engaged in multi-part conspiracy to upend the 2020 election and failed to act on the violence. The panel also recommended that the Justice Department investigate the former president for four separate crimes, including aiding and an insurrection. 
on social media uh, Wednesday morning or evening, Trump and his lawyers construed the move as a victory. They probably did this so because they knew I did nothing wrong or they were about to lose in court, Trump wrote in a social media site, calling members of the panel political thugs, which they are. On Twitter, Trump's lawyer, uh, Harmeet Dillon, said the panel had waved the white flag. And on a related note, uh, Ray Epps, you remember him? He was caught on camera on January 6th urging protesters to go to the Capitol, then prompted some of the protesters to accuse him of being a federal officer. Despite that, Epps denied in his interview with the House panel that he was working for the FBI at the time on the Capitol riot. He also said that the interview that there was no point where he was in contact with law enforcement officials from the FBI uh, the month before the Capitol riot. I hope there's real House investigation to the January 6th and 2020 election featuring witnesses such as Nancy Pelosi, Ray Epps, and others. And how about those that are in the Capitol jail right now that have been there for years, a couple years? Uh, this is just, it's un-American. It's unbelievable. In any event, hopefully we'll get some justice out of this entire thing. And yesterday, Joe Biden signed the nearly $2 trillion omnibus spending bill into law. Uh, while vacationing in St. Croix, the legislation, um, which totaled $1.7 trillion in government funding and discretionary spending for 2023, contains billions of dollars in aid for Ukraine and comes one day after a government shutdown deadline. So it's now law. Now, the, the only countervailing possibility here is that we still have the debt ceiling to uh, negotiate in Congress. And I suspect... I suspect that if the Congress doesn't increase this debt ceiling uh, substantially, then uh, there will have to be cuts in spending, and this might be the way to retaliate against the un unbelievable one point. Well, it's actually one point eight four trillion dollars that, that uh, is being funded for the government through September of 2023. Twitter CEO Elon Musk blasted Dr. Anthony Fauci after announcing the social media company's New official policy will not penalize users for legitimately questioning scientific claims on the platform. The new Twitter policy is to follow the science, which necessarily includes reasoned questions of the science, Musk said. Musk also responded to Professor Gad Saad, who posted a video mocking Dr. Anthony Fauci and his decision to retire as the Republicans prepare to take over the House. Anyone who says the question them is uh, questioning science itself cannot be regarded as a scientist, Musk said, in response to the video about Fauci. Under Twitter's previous policy before Musk's takeover, users could often face suspension or permanent bans for questioning COVID, vaccines, and transgender issues. Musk also called out Google for censorship on their platforms earlier this week. Uh, Musk was responding to the tweet from left-wing journalist Glenn Greenbald, who wrote, who, by the way, is really a great columnist and uh, a journalist. For the crime of reporting, said Glenn Greenwald, for the crime of reporting that the U.S. security state agencies are heavily involved in big tech censorship regime and for confessing that he found this deeply disturbing, liberals will spend a full week saying that uh, Matt Taibbi has mental health problems and needs therapy. Yeah, right. So I uh, really appreciate what Elon Musk is doing. <clears throat> He's exposing them for what's, what they really are. And finally, in this segment, well before Representative-elect George Santos admitted to fabricating key de details of his biography, lying about one's past was a rich political exercise. 
Santos made uh, headlines this week for admitting in New York Post and uh, WABC Radio that he lied on the campaign trail about his education and work experience, specifically about where he attended college and his alleged employment history with high-profile Wall Street firms. Uh, Santos is the first openly gay non-incumbent Republican elected to the House, has also been uh, accused of lying about his family history and sexual orientation, although he's defended some of those claims from criticism. DeSantis received widespread backlash for his fibs, and a Long Island prosecutor said she intends to investigate whether soon-to-be Congressman committed any crimes. I wonder what office she's trying to run for. She's trying to gain <laughs> or no to crimes for for what he's done. It's 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 uh, in bad taste and it's unethical, but it's not a crime. Here's a, a couple of prominent folks that also lied. Well, how about Joe Biden? He's no stranger to embellishing his past accomplishments, stretching the truth, if not outright lying on several occasions. In 87, for example, then-Senator Biden claimed in a video filmed by C-SPAN that he went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my class to have a full academic scholarship, he claimed. He also said he ended up in the top half of his class and won a prize in international moot court competition in college. Biden admitted it was outstanding student in the political science department and graduated with three degrees. <laughs> he just can't help himself. Well, Biden later released a statement acknowledging he misstated several of these facts. No kidding. Uh, and he, 35 years, he's still lying about so much. Beyond academics, Biden has made several other false and misleading claims about his past, such as the one he once arrested was arrested in South Africa while trying to see Nelson Mandela. Unbelievable. Hillary Clinton, do you remember this one? She was under sniper fire when she arrived in Bo- uh, Bosnia in 1996. The fact checker at uh, Washington Post said, well, no, no, that's simply not credible. And how about Elizabeth Warren? Elizabeth Warren identified herself as a Native American for almost two decades. In October 20, uh, 2018, she released a DNA result showed that she had Native American ancestors six to, to ten generations ago. The report showed that she, uh, it would be one 1,024th of, uh, if extended to the tenth generation. What a huge lie. And then Blumenthal. How about uh, Denang Dick? Richard Blumenthal, Democrat from Connecticut, Senator, led voters in Connecticut to believe he was a Vietnam veteran when, in fact, he never was deployed in Vietnam. And it goes on and on. So there's been others that lie. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard's interview, by the way, on the Tucker Carlson show of this guy was pretty impressive. But in any event, there's a precedent for all this. A lot of those folks up there lie. So unfortunate. Doesn't make it right, but it makes it true. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, 
fabulous food and a rockin' good time, Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541 Welcome back to the Bob Harden show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It reminds me that uh, at Lulabee's Diner, we serve great breakfast and lunch and now serving dinner Wednesday through Saturday nights from 4 to 8 p.m. a terrific menu including comfort food, meatloaf, chopstick, uh, seafood such as uh, salmon, snapper, grouper, wonderful dinner. So it's a great place to dine, not only breakfast and lunch, but also de- dinner at Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. This segment of the show brought to you by Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Well, Lou Rockwell Jr., former editorial assistant to Ludwig von Mises, the great economist and congressional chief of staff to Ron Paul, is founder and chairman of the Mises Institute. He wrote this. It's a remarkable television broadcast on December the 15th. Tucker Carlson made an explosive charge. He pointed out that contrary to law, the White House has refused to release thousands of pages of documents about the assassination of John F. Kennedy on November the 22nd, 63. He also said that these documents proved CIA involvement in the assassination and someone within the government who looked at, at these documents made a direct statement to that effect. Here's what Carlson said. No long, not long after Jack Ruby shot Lee Harvey Oswald on camera in the basement of the Dallas police headquarters, a lot of Americans started to have some questions about the Kennedy assassination. It was, you'll have to admit, a pretty extraordinary sequence of events. A lone gunman murders the President of the United States, and then, less than 48 hours later, this lone gunman is himself murdered by another lone gunman. What are the odds of that? Well, it's uh, one thing if you get stuck by, struck by lightning, rare but possible. 
But if every member of your family also gets struck by lightning, all on different days, you might begin to suspect that these are not entirely natural events. But, oh, replied the U.S. government, they are. This bizarre chain of killings was all entirely natural, the government claimed. So less than a year after the JFK assassination, the Johnson White House released something called the Warren Commission Report. And the report concluded that while there was motives remained unclear, both Lee Harvey Oswald and Jack, Jack Ruby had acted alone. No one helped them. This was uh, no conspiracy of any kind. Case closed. Time to move on. Nothing here. <laughs> What's the claim of the war report? Well, many Americans did move on. And at the time, there was no idea how shoddy and corrupt the Warren Commission was. It would be nearly 50 years before the CIA admitted during duress, in, in fact, that it withheld information from investigators about its relationship with Lee Harvey Oswald. But even then, at the time before this was known, the government's explanation didn't seem entirely plausible. And some people started asking obvious questions about it. It was at that point that Americans started to doubt the official story and the term conspiracy theory entered our lexicon. As Professor Lance DeHaven Smith pointed out in his book on the subject, the term conspiracy theory did not exist as a phrase in everyday American conversation before 1964. In 1964, the term the Warren Commission issued its report, the New York Times published five stories in which conspiracy theory appeared. Well, now today, uh, of course, the term conspiracy theory appears pretty much every day in New York Times story about the American politics. It's wielded now and then as a weapon against anyone who asks questions the government doesn't feel like answering. But despite 60 years of name-calling, those questions have not disappeared. In fact, they have multiplied with time. And here's one of them. In April 1964, a psychiatrist called Louis Joylin West visited Jack Ruby in his isolation cell in Dallas jail. According to the West written assessment, he found that Jack Ruby was technically insane and in need of immediate psychiatric hospitalization. Those are conclusions that, puzzlingly, no one had spoken to Jack Ruby previously had reached. Ruby had seemed perfectly sane in, uh, to the people who knew him. West pronounced him crazy and nuts. But what West did not say was that he was working with the CIA at the time. West was a contract psychiatrist for the spy agency. He was also an expert on mind control and prominent player in the new infamous MK Ultra program in which the CIA gave powerful psychiatric drugs to Americans without their knowledge. So, uh, of all the psychiatrists in the world, what in the world was this guy doing at Jack Ruby's prison cell? The media didn't seem interested to find out. In fact, the New York Times, in an extensive 1999 obituary of West, never mentioned the fact that he had worked for the CIA, much less his time in Jack Ruby's cell, which seems relevant. So you can see why non-crazy people would wonder about what really happened. Of course, many have wondered. In 1976, long forgotten, the House of Representatives impaneled a special committee to reinvestigate the JFK assassination. Their bipartisan conclusion, Jack Kennedy was almost certainly murdered as a result of a conspiracy. But the question is, the comp conspiracy by whom? Well, the obvious suspect would be the CIA. Why else would this agency withhold critical evidence with, uh, from investigators? Is there a benign explanation for this and for maintaining the level of secrecy for this many years? Not that we're aware of, and it is illegal. In 92, Congress passed the President John F. Kennedy Assassination Records Collection Act. 
That act mandated full disclosure of all documents by 2017, 54 years after JFK was killed. The last administration promised to comply with the law, but under the intense pressure from CIA Director Mike Pompeo withheld, in the end, thousands of pages of CIA documents. How's this all adding up for you? Well, today, this afternoon, the Biden administration did exactly the same thing. That would be thousands of pages of documents after nearly 60 years after the death of every single person involved. But can we still, we still can't see them. Clearly, it's not to protect any person. They're all dead. Is, there, is this to protect an institution? And if so, Why? Well, I think it is, and uh, you can imagine. I would like to go on with this story. We're going to have to pick this up at a, at a later time. Right now, we're going to be uh, speaking with a very interesting guy. His name is Dr. As uh, Amir As uh, Hussein. He is a medical doctor in Washington, D.C., and we're going to talk about his column in uh, Real Clear Policy, The Inflation Enemy at the Gate. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with the Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse. Changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. You can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website, uh, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Right now, we have with us Dr. Amir Hussein. Uh, he has a direct care medical practice in Washington, D.C. He's also written a column for Real Clear Policy, The Inflation Enemy at the Gate. Dr. Hussein, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thanks so much. I actually want to clarify, I'm still in residency, so I don't have my own practice yet, but uh, hoping to 
get started soon. Okay, well, that's great. So, uh, Dr. Sane, thanks for clarifying, by the way. Uh, tell us about your column, The Inflation Enemy at the Gate. Thank you. Yeah, so the, the challenge is that we know inflation has been uh, going on for many years now. And historically, healthcare has actually risen faster than uh, inflation as a whole. But this year and the last couple of years, we've been seeing that healthcare prices are still rising, but they're rising at a slower rate. No one really knows what uh, is going on here, but we have an opportunity now to try and take advantage of this and try to reduce costs as much as we can for Americans all over the place. Very interesting. So uh, certainly, uh, (laughs) healthcare is taking up a larger and larger part of our pocketbook right now and uh, our expenses every year. And uh, you're in direct care. Maybe you could help us understand what direct uh, care is. Great. So, yeah, I'm, I'm working dermatology, so I don't have a direct care practice, as I, as I mentioned. But the way this usually works is that patients, instead of using their insurance to uh, cover essentially all their services, they will instead enter into a membership agreement with a primary care practice, paying a fixed rate per month or per year. And with that, they get access to their doctors more, uh, more of their time. And the doctors can also contract without using insurance to get certain lab tests and medications covered, often at lower prices than they would be able to do through insurance. Great. Uh, it's a great opportunity for people, an alternative to going through insurance companies. And, uh, you know, many doctors complain about the fact they spend too much time in front of a computer filling in required government uh, uh information as opposed to being with patients. So this frees up the time for the doctor. It also allows them to provide less expensive care. And also, as I understand it, also drugs and uh, other basic necessities that people might have as a result of illness or or, uh, injury. That's right. People don't realize how much the routine lab work will cost. Like if you want to get your your, uh, lipids checked for cholesterol or your blood counts, in general, if you go through one of these big corporations, they will really upcharge uh, the patient and kind of pocket the difference. Mm-hmm. If you go through many of these direct practices, they can just contract directly with these labs and negotiate pretty significant discounts for patients. That's outstanding. So uh, right now in this time of inflation, what do you see as the possible alternatives for us right now going into uh, 2023? One uh, bill that I wrote about in the article that I think would be a great idea is um, a house resolution sponsored by Chip Roy of Texas. This would basically create something called health freedom accounts. We all have health savings accounts, but right now they're only limited to people with certain types of insurance plans, and there's a lot of restrictions on what you can use those pre-tax dollars to pay for. Uh, these new accounts would essentially expand the number of services you can use that for, including direct primary care, and, and also make those accounts available to everybody rather than just people with certain insurance plans. It seems like it would really simplify things for the uh, consumer, too. I mean, so uh, what are the possibilities of seeing this passed? In, in general, the health savings accounts are, are very popular. A lot of people who, who have them use them constantly. And in general, there's, um, there are allowables uh, in those accounts to pay for certain medications, but there's a lot of restrictions. So if you're uh, using something off-label, for example, the insurance might not cover it. That might not be something you're allowed to use the HSA for. So I think this bill would allow us to use those tax dollars for a wide variety of things. So does, does this new bill, uh, for example, expand health savings accounts, or does it create a whole new uh, category of uh, savings accounts? So it uses the basic model of health savings accounts and changes it to allow more contributions per year and also to expand the number of services. So they're still called um, health freedom accounts, but the uh, basic principle is the same. 
What I like about this is it also creates some parity between those who uh, have tax-deductible insurance. They're getting through their employers. And uh, right now, people that are self-employed, they can't deduct the cost of their insurance. I think it's about 70% of their income. After that, they could start making a deduction. But it it levels the playing field for those that are self-employed or not working and those that are uh, currently working for an employer who has, uh, has health insurance. That's right. I think it's uh, it's almost a no-brainer in terms of it helps pretty much everybody. And people who have existing insurance plans and existing HSAs, it's only going to improve the utility of those. Um, some of these, uh, right now, they don't allow you to use HSAs to pay for insurance deductibles or co-payments. And under this bill, that would probably be changed. And as well as, like we said, allowing people to go for alternative models such as direct primary care. So I really hope this goes through because I, I can't really see any negatives here. I can't either, Ed. So what can we do to support the effort? I think call your congressman or your senator. Um, we do have a uh, House Republican majority, so I think there is a decent chance that it at least gets brought up for a hearing. Uh, but the challenge is uh, the Senate is controlled by Democrats and still the presidency, so we'll need to kind of show Democrats also why this is a beneficial model for their constituents. And I do think there's a decent chance it could get passed just because I think it, it's a win-win for everybody. Certainly sounds like it, Doctor, and I uh, really appreciate you bringing this very important issue to our attention. Uh, it seems to me making a, uh, or sending a, making a call or uh, sending off a, a note to our congressman uh, could get the ball rolling anyhow and let him know how important this is. And again, it's called Health Freedom Accounts? That's right. And uh, also, Doctor, how, how can we find out more about direct care? There's a couple different places. Um, if you just search direct primary care online, you're going to get a slew of practices. And there's a couple of different uh, databases that track doctors that, that uh, have that model. Um, I work with a nonprofit called the Benjamin Rush Institute. They're a think tank that helps medical students who are interested in direct primary care find resources. They have a podcast, and they have some resources on their website as well. You don't happen to recall the, the address of the website, do you? Let me see. Um, Sounds so interesting. Yeah, I would just search Benjamin Rush Institute, um, and then that will be one of the first results that comes up. Uh, Benjamin Rush was actually the only doctor to uh, sign the Declaration of Independence, so they kind of use him as their role model for creating health care that's based on the principles of the Constitution. Uh, Benjamin Rush, so Google Benjamin Rush uh, and uh, to to get the website. Doctor, I just really appreciate your shedding light on uh, on this issue. Thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be here. Thanks a lot. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Michael Cannon. He is Director of Health Policy Studies, that and more, right here in the uh, West Cato Institute, by the way. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. 
That's 239-938-7700 or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture, author of many books. Uh, right now, we have with us Michael Cannon. He is the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Great to be here, Bob. Thank you, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. The Cato Institute is a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. We've been around since 1977, and we advocate the uh, principles of individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace. Terrific organization. Cato.org, again, is the website. So, Michael, I understand that the, uh, there's an Alzheimer's drug that has been approved or is being approved by the FDA. Well, the FDA approved it some years ago. The name of the drug is Adjuhelm, and this is a drug that treats Alzheimer's. About 6 million Americans, almost all of the Medicare patients, uh, suffer from Alzheimer's. And the FDA came into a lot of controversy a number of years ago because they approved this drug uh, over the objections of, a, of an expert panel they convened uh, to advise them on whether to approve the drug or not. There's still a lot of controversy about whether it works. Uh, the Medicare program first said it was going to cover the drug, then decided not to cover the drug. The drug manufacturer set the price at $55,000 for an annual, uh, uh, annually for a course of treatment. Wow. They cut the price. So this congressional committee, uh, with all this going on, uh, surrounding this drug, this congressional committee put together a did an investigation and just released a report. And uh, the report is it's it's notable for criticizing the government for doing the right things and not criticizing government for doing the wrong things. So the right thing is what? The right thing is the FDA should have approved Adjahel. Uh-huh. Of course, there's a lot of uncertainty about whether it works. Uh, there are a lot of people who think it could expose Alzheimer's patients to more harm uh, than benefit. But that's a decision for uh, Alzheimer's patients, uh, their doctors, those closest to them to make. It's not a decision for the FDA to make because every individual has a right to decide uh, to make their own health care decisions. Yeah. 
That's the most important healthcare right that we have. And when the FDA says, we're not going to allow this drug on the market, they're making that decision for you rather than letting you make that risk-benefit trade-off yourself. So the FDA should have approved that, even over the objections of their expert panel. Um, and and, and uh, even if they were colluding in a corrupt or at least un, uh, uh, unseemly-looking way with Biogen, the manufacturer of this drug, they should have approved it. That was the right thing. But the report says, no, that was the wrong thing. Uh, and so that's the, 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 the first swing and a miss in this report. Well, so, you know, I would agree with you 100% in terms of us, us being able to make our own decisions about our own bodies and intake and along with professionals. But part of that, of course, is full disclosure and getting all the information available. And unfortunately, what we're seeing in, in many cases is uh, suppressing information that's helpful in making those decisions. That is certainly happening, and you know there's a there's another swing and a miss in in, in this um, in this uh, report, which is that the uh, I mentioned the manufacturer of the drug set the price at fifty five thousand dollars per for for a course of treatment, and the report criticized them for that. But but of course, drug manufacturers have a right to set their uh, prices for their products wherever they like. All right. Uh, that's a freedom that they have in this country, that they should have in this country. Uh, I, uh, and uh, what's supposed to temper that um, uh, the excessive prices is competition and consumer cost consciousness. Right. But the, but the report criticizes Biogen for exercising that right, so that's a second swing and a miss at strike two. Then there's a strike three in this report, though, which is that it does not assign blame for that excessive price uh, where it actually belongs, which is with the Medicare program. Because the Medicare program encourages companies like Biogen to set the prices as high as possible because what Medicare says to them is whatever the price is that you set, we will pay you 100 and we'll pay the doctors who administer that drug 106% of the price, which encourages the drug manufacturers to set the price as high as they possibly can because 106% of a higher number is more than 106% of a lower number. Yeah. And the doctors pick the more expensive drugs because they actually get that 6% uh, margin, and 6% of a higher number is larger than 6% of a smaller number. So, So here's this entire congressional investigation and report that is lambasting the Biogen uh, company for setting the price for this drug at $55,000 a year, which would mean that Medicare would end up spending five times as much on Adjahelm as on any other drug that physicians administer. And they never mentioned that it's Medicare's fault, that Medicare was encouraging the drug company to set the price that high. So that is strike three. And this report, uh, I, I, I think, is just emblematic of everything that is wrong with government involvement in healthcare. Well, it certainly sounds like so there are no there are no it's not tied to uh, pr- production or tied to uh, the research or the cost of development or anything of this drug they simply allow the uh, maker of the drug to set a price and they say okay 106% of that is what the doctors can charge. Uh, that is well that's what Medicare will pay. That's yeah. right. That's how much the Medicare forces taxpayers to pay for this drug. And so 
what, what do you think this is costing consumers? I'm not just talking about this drug, but in terms of all the uh, drugs that we consume here in the United States, this is creating a major expense and probably unnecessary expense for the consumer. Well, fortunately, it's not costing Medicare enrollees all that much because even though Medicare first indicated that it would cover this drug for all Alzheimer's patients, Medicare reversed itself and said, no, we will only cover this drug for patients enrolled in a clinical trial so that we can figure out whether this works. That's that's much better than Medicare just covering this drug, Mm -hmm. forcing taxpayers to pay for a drug of unknown benefit and that might even harm Alzheimer's patients. But get this, there's even more government incompetence or, or... uh, government failure uh, in this decision. When Medicare announced it was going to cover this drug, it then set premiums for the Part B premiums for Medicare enrollees at a level that would be necessary to co- to pay for yeah. Agihelm. But then, when Medicare reversed itself and said, "No, we're only going to pay, for, uh, we're only going to cover this drug for those in clinical trials," it didn't reduce the premiums. So Medicare was charging. Medicare enrollees for a drug that Medicare was not covering. Hmm. Again, I think that this was the right thing to do because Medicare is on an unsustainable path and enrollees should have to pay for more of the cost of their coverage. But imagine, Bob, if a private insurance company charged enrollees for a drug that it wasn't covering, if it pulled that sort of bait and switch, you would have an entire congressional uh, investigation and report dedicated just to that. And, and raking that private insurance company over the coals, this report doesn't even mention that there might be anything shady about that. Unbelievable. It, just taking a step back, uh, you've advocated for getting rid of Medicare and just giving uh, consumers the, who qualify for Medicare the money and allow them to make their own health care decisions with regard to the type of insurance they want to own and so forth based on their own health profile and so forth. But you know what? It's political suicide to even bring up the uh, discussion of changing Medicare. So, it's, you know, there's kind of a catch-22 for, you know, you may as well just declare your, your career over in politics if you say, we need to reform Medicare. You know, I'm not sure that that's true anymore, Bob, because Medicare involves a broad scope for consumer choice right now. Yeah. Medicare is essentially a voucher program already where you can choose either traditional Medicare, which is the health insurance plan that the government runs, we can call that a public option, or you can choose a Medicare Advantage plan, which is where government writes checks to an insurance company instead of to doctors and hospitals, and that insurance company then provides you coverage. And about 50%, more than half of Medicare enrollees currently get their health insurance through one of those private Medicare Advantage plans, and and that means that Medicare is already implicitly, at least, a voucher program where you can take your subsidy either to the government plan or to the private plan. And if we make that voucher explicit or just turn it into a cash payment like Social Security, we're not changing Medicare all that much. Yeah. We're not reducing Medicare spending. We're not subsidizing seniors any less. All we're doing is giving them more choice and the incentive to hold the healthcare industry accountable and uh, and to uh, punish high cost, low quality providers by avoiding them 
and going toward the high-quality, low-cost providers. All right, sounds terrific to me. Unfortunately, though, during the Romney campaign, they showed a picture of somebody pushing Grandma over a cliff <laughs> and appealing to the emotions as to the, uh, as opposed to the very articulate comments that you made about how this could be changed. I, I'm all for what you're saying. It's uh, well, I, you but know. everybody recognizes that that ad, which is supposed to be Paul Ryan wheeling Grandma in a wheelchair right. up to the edge of a cliff and then tossing her off, everyone recognizes that that ad is ridiculous. Of course, that that, that ad did not represent what the Romney campaign was advocating. Uh, it was hyperbolic. It was inflammatory. It was unfair. People will still run those ads, yeah. but I think over time they have less and less credibility. The especially the more seniors. Uh, accustom themselves to making these choices. Well, from your lips to God's ear, again, Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute, cato.org is the website, cato.org. Very interesting discussion, Mike. I just genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Happy New Year to you and your family. Thanks so much for joining us. Always great to be here, Bob. Thank you, and Happy New Year to you and yours. Thank you so much. All right, coming up. Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round, Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. Uh, They get the politics and they know the policy. They prepare your elected officials to win and win in the right ways and win big. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.com. 
www.endowedprofessorlarrybell.org. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He's also the author of a, a dozen books. His latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. Professor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, it's always a pleasure, and Happy New Year to you and all the listeners. Thank you, Professor. The same to you. Hope you uh, have a great uh, New Year with... Things have got to go better in 2023 than they've gone in this past year with all the uh, woke stuff that's happening in our society. You write a column for Newsmax.com. It's called uh, On Point. Your latest is why we should be wary of climate alarmism. We just rose. (laughs) Tell us about it. Yeah, you know, climate's always in the headlines. It's always uh, always we're doomed either because it's too cold or you know, too warm or too wet or too dry or, you know, it's it's a, it's a great uh, set of a motivator excuse for, you know, all this uh, energy equity and we've, we've got to save the planet from fossil fuels and we've got to, earlier it was, you have to pass the Kyoto Protocol and transfer wealth within the United Nations to developing countries from the successful and more prosperous countries and and so on and so forth and uh, you know we're always we're always doomed and it's, it's you know this five ten years it'll be the tipping point and it's over and there's a great <coughs> tendency to uh, to confuse the notion of weather with climate and by by convention climate is 30 year cycles Mm-hmm. Of course, it depends on when you start the cycle, when you end the cycle. If you, you know, that, that's that's a big deal. But and and weather weather changes, you know, always has, always will, just as climate does. But uh, of course, whenever there's a, a hot spell, it's always the hottest day somewhere, or the you know the, the wettest day somewhere, or the you know the most uh, severe weather, you know, and yada yada yada. Well. Yeah, it's it's always the hottest day somewhere and the coldest day somewhere, and it's and as far as the weather's concerned, uh, the you know, extreme weather, no, it's not becoming more severe nor more frequent, and all you have to do is go out there, go to the records and look at that. Mm-hmm. But the biggest bugaboo of all this is that all this is based upon theoretical climate models that a it's garbage in, garbage out because a lot of the major forcing factors and climate is very complex. Uh, you know, can't be put into a computer. They're not, you know, they're, they're, they, they range enormously. They're not all well understood and they, they make a big difference. And let's just look at the performance of the models and realize, well, they, they certainly haven't been very effective. They've all over predicted warmth and heating. And even though the, even though the planet's been warming out of the, Last ice age and last little ice age, which was last little ice age was not really an ice age, but it was a cold spell between around 1350 and 1850. You know where you know the climate does is warming, and and we can you know those of us that hang around a long time, well maybe you know it won't be me. We'll see a new ice age coming in another three or four thousand years, and then they can be happy again when the whole northern hemisphere is covered with about. 
foot a mile of ice. But uh, <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, we we're pretty darn lucky, and we live in a optimum period of climate. And uh, and 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 it's it's going to be warmer and cooler, and 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 just as a reminder, a lot more people die of cold when they when they don't have heat to warm themselves than than, than do you know uh, on hot days. Right. So so uh, all of this, you know, in in you know, these these cold spells are are pretty serious, particularly when. You have a government that has declared war on energy, and and we have a shortage of uh, self-imposed shortage on natural gas and oil and fossils, and and in, in including heating oil and airline fuel. Uh, it's it's just really so nonsensical, so unnecessary. And meanwhile, you know, we have these cold periods. We're just not really prepared for them. We're putting more electric vehicles and stuff on the grid that's not designed to handle it, that requires uh, the rare earth materials that come from China and the Congo from from forced labor. And uh, and that's that's the, the government. Hope, hopefully there'll be some sanity coming into the new year, and uh, gosh, that'll sure be welcome. It really will. Uh, just... <laughs> In 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 the context that you just gave us, I I saw one report that suggested that well, this uh, cyclone bomb that happened in Buffalo, New York, was a result of global warming. <laughs> I can't even say I can't help myself from laughing, but uh, you know these people are so committed to this religion of climate change; it's just unbelievable. And quite frankly, what disturbs me uh, so much is the fact that the, this we're dissipating our resources. And I heard a wise man one time say that, you know, if you don't take care of capital, it'll go someplace else where it will be taken care of. And that's exactly what's happening here in the United States. Yeah, I wrote my first book on this about 15 years ago called Climate of Corruption, Politics and Power Behind the Global Warming Folks. And that was, at that time, it was really, I was really an outlier that, you know, Al Gore was in his full fury and, you know, and it was, oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a, climate denier and all this kind of stuff. And, but the, the thing that's encouraging me is that where I was really, really out of there pretty much by myself, with just very few, you know, very few uh, supporters. Right now, it's, it's kind of about split 50-50 down, right down party lines in terms of those that still, you know, are drinking the Kool-Aid and those that think, well, hey, wait a minute, haven't we heard this all before, you know? Yeah, every claim is crazier than the previous one, and 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 I think I think there's progress that way, and I think there's progress in the sense that people are realizing this is a scam that's been driven by by a whole lot of converging interests of uh, you know universities getting paid to find dead polar bears and you know and and and, and you know the BlackRock and Goldman Sachs and you know the money managers that are pushing, you know, green energy and, and you know, the, the solar and wind subsidies and, and the United Nations and so on. Sorry about my dog. She's, she's upset so, about global warming. <laughs> I think it's global warming. Yeah, I, I think it's exactly what it is. It warmed up. It warmed up here in Houston, and I think the dog's just terrified. <laughs> 
<laughs> Professor, it's just, uh, it's not amusing. It's really quite sad. I mean, uh, if you think back on the 20th century, we went through a period of time we were concerned about global cooling and what are we going to do. I remember there was a, a concern about uh, the uh, shortage of water. And uh, we ended up developing the slow flush toilets that were that were supported by legislation. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing is so insane; it's just incredible. Well, remember acid rain? You yeah. Know, and they spent a half a billion dollars, you know, figuring out that <laughs> really had nothing to do with industry. <laughs> It's just amazing. But again, Professor Larry Bell, I just encourage you to get his latest book. And in his books on climate change, my favorite is uh, 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 Scared Witless, The Prophets and Prophets of Climate Doom. His latest book, however, is on his own life, and it's so interesting. Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design by Professor Larry Bell. I genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show, Professor. Thank you so much for joining us, and Happy New Year to you. Yeah, let's have a good one, Bob. Thanks. Let's plan on it. Okay, thank you, Professor. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got uh, great guests on Monday. We're going to have uh, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll visit with Larry Reed. He is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. And Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington bureau chief and author of many murder mysteries, will be joining us as well. I hope you make it a safe and wonderful Happy New Year. Uh, and uh, we'll see you uh, after the page turns on Monday. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>